Welcome to Cinemazing Chats, which happens to be Star Trek V, the one directed by William Shatner. I don't even know what the title of it is. Oh, The Final Frontier. <laughs> which is a true pile, in my opinion. <laughs> the Final Frontier, which harkens to the standard slogan about how the Enterprise is supposed to right. explore the final Except, frontier of undiscovered countries. Yeah, in this case, I guess the final frontier is Shatner directing a movie and writing it and almost ruining a f- the franchise. Yeah, although at that point, I feel like the franchise had already done a pretty good job of it on its own. I think at that point, Star Trek Two had still been regarded as the oh. main jewel of the franchise. The other ones are sort of like, eh. Although I personally always enjoy the one with the whales, that one might be my favorite. Is that just Star it's Trek like a Four? Slice of life. Oh, because yeah, all the even movies are good and the odd movies are bad. So this is so we we watch Star Trek Five, an odd movie, which is bad. Yeah. So I guess the trend sort of held there. So anyway, this film starts with sort of a Mad Max pastiche, almost like a ripoff of Mad Max styles. Uh, you see a bald man who looks almost like Picard in sort of a Wild West Star Trek-y world. Uh, it almost reminded me of Fire- Firefly with all the <laughs> um, different uh, Yeah, like the, uh, they tell you that it's Nimbus 3 in the neutral zone, which sounds kind of sexy. Yeah. So the scene quickly gets pretty weird and also seems sort of like Dune, like Dune-like. Um, a character shows off his pointy ears, revealing that he's a Vulcan. And then we are pushed into the TNG theme over the main credits. Uh, it's definitely the exact same song they use for Next Generation. <laughs> yes, it's a familiar song. <laughs> oh yeah, why was Nimbus 3 the planet of galactic peace, though? Shatner just picked a random title. I'm not sure. I think they just chose it, um, out of nowhere. Okay. Oh, right, and so they show the Vulcan guy being like, let us explore your pain and being all weird right that's at the beginning yeah he's like a vulcan jesus doing miracles like curing people's pain oh yeah he's being a real vulcan jesus he's like let us explore it and then the guy who has the miracle done on him is like how can i repay you for this miracle and like follows him around for the rest of the movie so he's shacked up in a hovel, which I thought was sort of like come to be after Trump destroys civilization. Oh, you think Nimbus 3 is how it'll be? <laughs> it's only peaceful because like everyone's dead or something. Yeah. That's the irony. Oh, yeah. So then they go to Yosemite National Park. <laughs> yeah. So we get like sort of a Mission Impossible yeah. scene of William Shatner doing his own stunts, climbing up the side of a sheer rock wall. Being a man. I have a note that there is a full-on taint shot. <laughs> Rock climbing taint. Oh yeah, there is a taint shot. And William Shatner's like, I totally did this for real. Oh yeah, they have really... And like, I immediately noticed um, like uh, Shatner, or I mean Kirk and all of them, because it's Kirk and Bones and Spock are all vacationing together at the park. They all have very odd like future fashions, like... Kirk has yellow and black pants, but orange and blue sneakers, I think. Or his top is orange and blue. Just like really mismatched colors. Yeah, they're all really, they're all wearing pretty silly outfits. Uh, pretty cheesy, <laughs> I'd say. And Spock is showing off his rocket boots, which he uses to have a casual conversation with Picard. With Picard? You said Picard. It was a Freudian slip. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, no, Spock, like, flew up just to bother him and almost get him to fall and then catch him. He distracts Kirk just long enough that he falls, and then he has to do, like, a Superman swan dive to rescue him. So, good thing, even though we're in something familiar, like Yosemite National Park, uh, we still have, like, technology to save us. Future technology. Oh, yeah, this is Paradise City of Nimbus 3, and the whole time I was like... Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the, <laughs> and the cat girls, girls are, are pretty. Cat people are pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, on Tatooine, we see a cat alien person. And somewhere in there, young James yeah. Cameron starts fapping. He's like, I have a great yeah. idea for a movie. Some cat aliens. But yeah, it is a lot like the Cantina scene yeah, or the Return like of the Jedi scene with all the aliens. There, a lady. Um. They're meeting up or something. I have no idea what's going on here. There's like a really dumb bald character, and there's an evil villain played by David Warner, who's actually a really good um, character actor. And they're sort of like hatching a plot. Right, yeah, with this worthless lump of rock. The worthless lump of rock that they're going to use. Wait, what was their worthless lump of rock? I don't even know what happened with that. I don't know. Um, let's see. Oh, and then we learn that everyone is camping except Uhura. Am I saying her name right? Uhura or Uhura? Uhura? Uhura and Scotty are, like, stuck on the ship. They don't get to have a vacation, apparently. Yeah, so this film does, like, a really uh, obvious thing, which is it sort of splits <laughs> off the adventures of, yeah. of Kirk and Spock and Bones. And then it has all the other side characters have, like, a brief appearance and some brief yeah. adventures, but don't really do that much to contribute to the main plot. I think that all has to do with the ego of um, William Shatner. His menage a bro. Um, Spock, honestly. Group of uh, his threesome. It's kind of interesting. In some ways, this uh, film reminded me of the latest Star Trek film, uh, the one that just came out, Beyond. It has that sort of same feel of it's trying to be very episodic. It's just sort of like a chapter in these people's lives and doesn't it's not, doesn't feel essential in a way. Like, it's not like the Wrath of Khan where he's, like, oh, trying yeah, to take but down I the entire ship that, and it was like, fucked. It was trying to be, um, yeah, like, look at these bros. They're all laughing and they know each other so well. But it kind of, I don't know. But, yeah, the newer, the Star Trek Beyond had funnier jokes, basically. Yeah, something about, I don't know, I didn't really feel their camaraderie, per se. It felt like they're just, like, yeah, standing there on screen. <laughs> the entire film kind of felt like, Star Trek Five. We're all yeah. getting old. <laughs> I read something about that on the wiki. It was like, oh, Kirk's style is really about is like actiony. Like he just wants to run around and jump. So I think that's why there's so much rock climbing. Scotty's like, I hate the new ship. <laughs> right. I mean, that's supposed to be Kirk's whole character. Is he's like the cowboy in space. He's just shoots first and asks questions never. Yeah. What happened to the Prime Directive? But he has such a big ego that he refuses to ever lose. So that's his main. That's like, why he'll always win. Good quality. <laughs> okay, so there's a weird love scene. Oh, uh, we see Sulu and Chekhov oh, yeah. for a second, so, and we're Sulu like, the spinoff sucks. Chekhov are just gone. Oh wait, they were camping too, but like alone, and then we never see them again. Yeah, because they're all jaded and cynical uh, and shit. They're just like, we take vacations for months now because we're near retirement. <laughs> Yeah, so that's just Spock and Kirk and Bones just hanging around the fire. And then Kirk says, I've always known I'll die alone. And that's why he knew he wasn't going to die 
because uh, when he when he was falling because Spock and Bones were there watching. I have it in my notes. I just wrote down Spock loves bears, but I'm not sure. I don't why. remember any bears. Yeah, I've always known I'll die alone. Kirk's being a real Donnie Darko. Because I'm a renegade or something. I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spock's like, if you fall, I will catch you. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> even though Spock is the logical one, he's really the loving and supportive one. What does Kirk even do? Spock Good does question. everything. He's like the Hermione of yeah, the series. Yeah, Spock is the Hermione. Without him... I don't know what they do. Yeah, he's he's the data, of course. The bros have sort of a sing-along. Yeah, they have a full-on scene about row, row, row your boat and making that around, and, like, they spend way too much time on singing this song. <laughs> yeah, they really emphasize the um, theme about life being yeah, but a dream. Yeah, row, row, row your boat. Anyways, they're like, life is but a dream. Or merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Yeah, so Kirk, I mean, Shatner, the writer slash director, right? He's using this as his thesis of this movie, is the row, row, row your boat. <laughs> I was... Yeah, see. did he actually write it? I'm not sure about that. Story by three people, including him, but the actual screenplay was written by someone else. So I, I was reading that he came up with the ideas. Because he's illiterate. And then they made him, like, severely edit it. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, uh, check this out. So during the 66 to 69 Star Trek series, Shatner and Nemo's lawyers drafted what Shatner termed a favored nations clause with the result that whatever Shatner received for a, a film or TV show, Nimoy also got and vice versa. Okay, so uh, Leonard Nimoy had directed Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock and Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Where Shatner had previously directed plays and some TV shows, but he signed on to direct The Voyage Home after a pay dispute. This is all from Wikipedia, this isn't from me. Yeah, so Nimoy has, had directed like two of the films, and Shatner was jealous? Is that what it was? No, he just hadn't had a... Uh, oh, yeah, he had never directed He hadn't had before. a chance at the bat, or whatever they call it. Hmm, so here I'm reading that originally Cybok, the main villain, had been... Was, they were going to reveal his identity earlier in the film, but then audiences found that to be anticlimactic, so they moved it later oh, in the story. Oh, yeah. So they had to add the scene with, like, the cat lady and the Klingon and the plotting that we didn't even understand. They added that to try to make it more complex. <laughs> well, they succeeded in me not understanding yeah, totally exactly. what was going on. <laughs> The three friends, the camp. Yeah, out, they're just they sleeping outside. I was like, is this the holodeck? Do they not realize this is the real wilderness or something? They didn't put out the fire. They don't sleep in any tents. And I thought it'd be funny if a wolf would just carry bones off into the night. And then they're all like, good night, good night. A lot of it seems like William Shatner was just sort of wanted a camping trip and he was like, finance my camping trip. Yeah, I think so. Um, he's like, I've always wanted to film in Yosemite National Park. And the other half is all about a space probe colliding with God. Yeah. They have to save some hostages or something, which are the, which is like the cat lady. Is that what happened? Yeah. So um, we get some footage that looks almost like E.T. or Close Encounters of bright blue lights going through the woods. And it's the Federation telling Kirk and his buddies that they have to come back. <laughs> no more vacation for y'all. Yeah, so they fly right through E.T. and Elliot's bike, uh, flying through the air, and they go onto the shuttle. <laughs> five, oh, yeah. Which we both noted we had seen before. 
Yeah, the Galile- good old Galileo 5. So they're shuttling around. And then the next thing, they just watch paint dry for 30 minutes of nothing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't understand. What was up with everything was just breaking on the ship? Why was that a subplot? Just to give Scotty something to do to be an engineer? Yeah, they give Scotty a little something to do. And then, ev- and then when they're on the ship, everything's breaking. Kirk's wearing a shirt that says, go climb a rock. <laughs> so I want to know where he got that shirt. Yeah. And then I wrote, must save hostages. And then the captain's log about all of his poops. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess they get some sort of report that they must save hostages, but it's all a trap or it's a setup. I wrote down galactic armies of light, and I have no idea what that refers to. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Let's see. They use an old wooden wheel to steer. I remember that. Oh, wow. Yeah, a real ship's wheel. There's Cybok, the passionate Vulcan. He's introduced. Yeah, he's into the animal passions of our ancestors, whatever bullshit that means. Sounds like some pseudoscience right there. Oh, right. And then Scotty and Uhura have to do sort of a side mission. Uh, They have Uhura deploy her famous fan dance. Yeah, so her job is just to be the sexual attractant to allow them to save the hostages. So she does a fan dance in front of the moon and says hello boys and pretty much she's just like wasted she's just sexualized the whole movie because that's her one role and then her other role is to be some sort of sexual interest for scotty yeah uh nyota oh sorry nichelle nichols doesn't really have much to do as uhura in this one she basically just appears in that one scene and she does acquit herself nicely with the dance but it's kind of like why is this happening yes why is she doing a weird seduction dance to fool the enemies? Oh, wow. Did Kirk drown the cat alien? I wrote, cat alien attacks, jumps out in the dark. Kirk drowned the cat. Does he? He fights her. <laughs> oh, yeah. The cat lady attacks pretty brutal. Kirk. And he does kill her by drowning her. Send Spock and Cybok meet again. Cybok is the guy from, is the Jesus from the beginning who is performing miracles. And it turns out he's linked to these hostages who were like feigning being hostages so that they could get the starship, the Enterprise. Yeah, it was all yeah, a so the, the, This film is just like revving up for like the first 45 minutes. Like this is half the film already and nothing's even really happened. It's been a lot of camping camping and then the ship being like humorously breaking all it's the time it's been a lot of nothing know. a lot of just yeah, like wasted time and production it does make me wonder like how does nobody else involved in the production step in at any point and be like <laughs> this is kind of a shit i don't movie know so far. should we maybe make it interesting maybe like they're hard to work with like um shatner and nimoy or something <laughs> who knows yeah so they outsmart the klingons um and then spock uh, yes, yeah, Psyduck is, is actually Spock's, Spock's half brother. <laughs> it's almost the exact twist from the recent Spectre film, where somehow Spock has had this brother the entire time that nobody ever knew about or mentioned. Yeah, he's obviously a cult leader, and that's how he got the like cat lady to die for him. You know, that was pretty extreme, right? And Cybok's very much almost like a cult leader. He's always trying to tell people about their secret pain, trying to read them. And so he's definitely a cult leader, and he is the Vulcan that rejected logical upbringing. And then his, it's like Spock's dad had a, had in a relationship after Amanda died or something, so with a Vulcan. So Cybox is like younger half-brother who's never been mentioned before. 
And then, of course, that presents a huge conflict of interest because are Spock's loyalties to his brother or to Kirk? Because they're, like, trying to take over the ship. Exactly. It's like one of those will-they-won't-they's about will Spock betray Kirk and his friends just to uh, appease his half-brother, which, of course, he doesn't. No, he does. Kirk says to shoot him. Kirk says to shoot Cybok. Oh, right. And then Spock betrays that order and won't shoot his brother. Oh, right, right, right. So then they all get put up in prison in the little jail in there. And then they have a menage a bro. And Scotty starts communicating that to them. And then they have a menage a bro inside the cell, the tiny cell all together. Yeah. So Scotty saves everyone. Yeah, uh, I was like, Scotty. His technique, oh, and then he hits his head immediately and dies. What was emergency landing plan B? <laughs> I wrote that it works. <laughs> I don't remember. There's many things in my notes that I don't really remember. I wrote a David Blaine-esque musician, and then I wrote that it's extremely 80s. And then I wrote yeah, emergency, emergency landing plan B. They kept saying B. that. I don't know what it was. Um, they have terrible beige. I think they were just trying to land the ship, and then they decided oh, to freeball okay. it. They have terrible beige outfits. Oh, maybe that was from the ship glitching, and that's why they had to do an emergency landing. I have no idea. Or maybe Cybok didn't want them back on the ship. Oh, right. But yeah, they do have these weird um, way team suits. And then let's see. So let's... uh, Scotty... There's a thrilling scene about old men climbing ladders. (laughs) Wait, yeah. Scotty, and when he like receives his head wound, he like first he busts through the wall. I don't know how he broke through the wall from answer to answer the Morse code. (laughs) He's like, oh, yeah, like the Kool-Aid guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he becomes and the then so, I don't even remember how he got his horrible head wound, but it seemed bad. Um, and then, yeah, so now there's more climbing because this is a, a motif that Shatner likes, I guess, is climbing up ladders this time, though. Yeah. And it, this is an example of a bad editing scene because they pass decks 58 and 72 twice. Oh, wow. Nice note. Nice um, internal consistency note. Oh, God. Yeah, the I guess... Um, Uhura and Scotty are like shipping even harder. They're like having romances, kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, all the uh, all the ships yeah, are the, the ship that we always wanted. Um, oh yeah, Cybox also like being on screen a lot during this time. He wants to feel things and answer questions and like go to the center of the galaxy, man. And he's all like, "Your pain is the deepest of all," and like feeling pain. Yeah, he's like a total. Yeah, uh, he's Vulcan a Vulcan hippie. hippie Jesus. Oh wait, yeah, Bones actually was the one with the um, <laughs> deepest pain of all. Oh right, his deep pain. <laughs> his bones. Pain. Oh, he has a dad thing. Let's see. Oh, a cure for his dad was found after he like pressed the button to kill his dad or something. Oh my god! Yeah, that does happen. <laughs> it's like he approved. Bones. He, has to I mean, kill he his probably had a do not resuscitate kind of thing where it's like, oh, he seems like he's just dead. Or he's going to suffer or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then... So Cybok mainly just wants to be respected and understood. Claims that his vision is from God? Yeah, he's trying to be like a prophet, but he's really just uh, emotionally manipulating everyone. It's almost like his mutant power. He's really just making a prophet off of everyone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then let's see. So... Oh, yeah, you get to see Spock and his dad and Cybok kind of tries to 
mentally toy with the three bros. And I think Kirk just says, like, no or something. We don't get to see Kirk's dad relationship. <laughs> yeah, he just and refuses. Then, oh, yeah, I wrote, is life a dream? Spock says life is not a dream. Kirk says life <laughs> is a dream. <laughs> I don't know who to shoot. Uh, we do get to witness Spock's birth uh, and the slap of his baby. And then it's immediately Oedipal with the way he was, like, uh, seeing his mom or something. Oh, yeah. Well, his mom is a hot Nona writer. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nona writer steps in again. Uh, but yeah, it's surprisingly deep for Kirk. Yeah, exactly. Kirk is like, life is but a dream. He sees the illusion of reality. Life is pain. And he knows that memories are but twist of that reality, and they're not even real. So Cybok has nothing to show him. He knows that life is but suffering and that the root of all evil is to... <laughs> oh, wait, no, suffering. yeah. I mean, I guess he said something, yeah, like his pain makes him him kind of thing you know it's like don't get rid of my feels so then they blow the entire rest of the budget on the scene where they breach the god <laughs> barrier uh there's like a cool mercury effect of like uh globs of silver Let's see oh yeah matter. whale bones shoot up from the ground so that they're kind of in like a chest cavity there's like an energy god looking face yeah they blew all the budget on the end special effects yeah, God looks like he could be an infinite power source. Uh, it could be anything, but they're like... So they no, went to, God. like, the exact center of the galaxy. For some reason, this is where Cybok had been called. And and there's, like, a power source there. Buck takes over the Enterprise. Yeah, the and then there's, like, a power source. But then it's also just kind of silly, because it's, like, Spock betrayed Kirk, and then it's, like, they're all just, like, willing to entertain the idea that this is an actual God, but it's, like... You know, like in TNG, they have Q. Picard's never like, are you God? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we know you're just a powerful alien. Right, he's just like an extra dimension. Yeah, he's just like an extra dimension. Yeah, so they're being. all starting to take this God thing seriously. Like, oh, is Cybok for real? Yeah, so then, so then it's like contact and Kirk's like, Jesus, take the wheel. God. And they get pulled into the pink and purple yeah, light zone. Yeah, oh, we, we do get a thing from Chekhov, even though he has hardly any role. It's, he said, a power source emanating from the planet. Like I have never seen. So he does some reading, I guess, on that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and Scotty's like the stakes have never been higher. Yeah, I don't know. And what happened to the ship breaking down? They just do fine now. It's like it was, it got better now. Yep, the ship was dying, yep. but then it got uh, better. And then, oh, and then so yeah, so the god face is like chatting and like Cybox getting all you know a boner and like jazzed about it. But then Kirk's <laughs> like what does God need with a starship? Like, suddenly he's the logical one, even though Spock's there. Yeah, suddenly Kirk yeah, figures Kirk's it like, out. Yeah, Kirk's like, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. Why do you need our starship? <laughs> Shatner's like, I've got to figure this one out. Oh, but then the God starts, like, smiting them. Like, if you are a conscientious objector, you get fried. Like, Kirk gets burned. <laughs> Yeah, I realized that that was what the scene for Futurama is about, where the god thing is just killing red. Oh, yeah, you're the crewmates. red shirt. <laughs> so, yeah, they realize it's not actually a god. Yeah, he's just fucking with them. He starts getting mad. God even takes, like, Cybok's appearance. And so, I don't know, there's definitely something about, like, identity and are you really you and, like, life being but a dream because this guy could be anyone. Who is yeah, Cyborg exactly. now? So it turns out God was just something trapped on this planet and needs a starship to get away. And instantly Cyborg has a death wish to save them from the smiting. Yeah, and they had established earlier in the film that they had uh, lowered the shields. And for some reason that's still the case. 
the end, so they decide to shoot God right in the oh, face. Oh, yep. Exploding Godhead right at that moment. Oh, wait, and then, like, Cybok, like, walks into him or something? <laughs> Is that what happens? He dies in all yeah. this exploding Godhead. Exactly, yeah. It just conveniently He's just like, goes I away. will save you. So they don't have to answer I guess he, like, questions. has to repay... Re- repent because he did all these things in the name of a false god. Yeah, so Cybok sacrifices himself to allow the others time to escape. Why did Spock say, damn you, sir, you will try? What was that about? Oh, and then some. there's like a de- weird deus ex where the Klingons come and save the day out of nowhere. And they, they're, oh, they're the ones who killed the god. They yeah. just are like, oh, I'm so sorry um, that we were pursuing you, Kirk. Oh, wait, that was another plot we forgot. Right, the Klingons learn a valuable lesson. And, and they make it seem like Kirk might die because he's sort of stuck there after having sent Spock and Bones away. But suddenly Klingon ship oh. comes out and is like, uh, we'll, we'll grab Right, you and it was there. the Klingon who was part of Cybok's um, menagerie or uh, Cybok's group or cult, yeah. Cybok's cult. He yeah. apparently is some sort of Klingon old, like elder or something, and he just tells the people in the ship to apologize and to stop pursuing Kirk and to save him, apparently, and to kill the god. And just do it all and just be the deus ex. Yeah, and then Kirk realizes that there isn't a god out there. There's a god right inside the human heart. Oh, wow. There all along. The god is inside you, man. And Kirk and Spock have a near kissing moment, but Kirk realizes people are watching and they break away. <laughs> yeah, it's a real bromance situation. Yeah, Bones is feeling really third wheel in this whole thing, though. So then they make it back to the fucking Yosemite and they finish their lovely camping trip. Oh, yeah, maybe he's not out there, but maybe he's right here. Points to heart. <laughs> um, maybe he's among the friendship of these yeah, the- three friends. And, and then it just ends. Yeah, so none of the other characters, I don't even know what the resolution was on the breaking down ship or anything. But we get a final scene with the three menage bros singing, Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Life is but a dream. So that ans- that means that Kirk was right, that <laughs> life is but a dream, and Spock was wrong. Maybe that's what this movie is about. Mm. Kirk is right and Spock is wrong. Gets to be right. Yeah, Shatner's just like, my character's better than yours. Spock betrays the captain, and I'm the one who figures out the god thing, and yeah. Surely Kirk yeah. is the correct one. Kirk is the climbing one. Spock just takes it easy and does the powered boots. I do the real climbing so I was just reading that apparently Gene Roddenberry uh, was deeply opposed to the entire premise of the film, and he didn't think that the character should search for God in general, but especially that it shouldn't be portrayed like the Western religion's version of God. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think individual episodes of Star Trek have been more interesting than this entire movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. This felt like a C-level episode of the show, and then as a movie, <laughs> way too drawn way out worse, for this obviously. plot level. Yeah, I kind of just felt like they did this movie to keep retaining the rights to the Star Trek films. And yeah, it is just very much like uh, through Kirk's kind of like misogynist eyes where it's like everyone's relationship with their dad and then the women like Uhura and the mom or like Amanda are sexualized kind of. Yeah. Push to the side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, but then it's all about the bro relationship and the dad and son relationships. 
Mm. Uh, I'm just reading now that Shah Kari, which is the name of the Paradise Planet uh, that they go to, is supposed to be a play on the name Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, that wasn't the Nimbus 3? Oh, Shah Kari is where the god is. Oh my god, Sean Connery is god! That's what it means. Oh, I guess that was some other place. <laughs> Oh, wow. Apparently Shatner originally wanted angels and de- demons to shower down at the film's climax, but then said they made the rock monsters. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, and this is all going around, going on around a writer's strike, so that maybe sort of explains why it felt very yeah. light. Yeah, because they the whole God thing was like, you could watch that in like 10, 15 minutes, right? You could just watch the end and be like, oh, I got that. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't really complex or didn't it didn't have that sort of ambiguity or that science fiction I don't know, typically episodes have a deeper feel to them. Oh well yes, yeah, so they philosophical tr- concern. Yeah, I guess that's the problem is uh Shatner's first idea had no reveal, like Cybok was just known to be the cult leader, so then they had to add the reveal retroactively and then it wasn't as good. Like it was just like not a true Star Trek twist basically it's pretty obvious the entire time it's like oh so he's they're gonna look for god <laughs> so i probably won't find man god. that poor cat lady though wait yeah kirk literally drowns like a cat lady so he kills one lady and then sexualizes uhura what a great guy yeah. i do feel yeah. bad for the cat alien but i don't know this one was pretty light there's there's hard to really dig it's hard to really dig into this one other than to refer to all the infighting and backstabbing that was going on behind the scenes of Shatner doing like a power play to control everything about this production and Nimoy sort of backing him up and then everyone else just having to make do with their very <laughs> limited roles. Yeah, I guess you can tell like there's a lot of reasons for why this film didn't work. Yeah, it's hard to tell if it was even a success, but it looks like they made Yeah, I don't think money. it lost money, but it has like a bad rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The budget was 33 million and it made 63 million. So it actually did really well, yeah. which is weird. <laughs> Maybe they lucked out with the timing. Oh, yeah. Well, probably just the um, name, just the franchise name carried it through. Honestly, probably one of the best parts of this film is just the score, which is pretty epic. And then they introduce the theme to that will later become the theme for next Oh, well, there you go. Oh, they introduce it in this film? Oh, well, that's kind of cool, I guess. Let's see. We can read a little bit about Life is But a Dream, which we read in that class that one time. First published in 1635... It is a philosophical allegory regarding the human situation and the mystery of life. The play's central theme is the conflict between free will and fate. It remains... uh, Let's see, other themes include dreams versus reality and the conflict between father and son. So I guess, yeah, he was kind of like modeling it after this play. That'd be pretty deep if that was actually intended. Yeah, I'm not really sure if this film really is like makes you wonder what is reality. I think we still think that the Federation is reality. Right, we're not like, could that have been God? We're like, uh, definitely wasn't God. Yeah, I think it's pretty, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of black and white, but it's like trying to be complex. (laughs) Yeah, that pretty much sums up this film. Yeah, basically a lot of wasted potential characters, and it's hard to believe that uh, a bunch of executives and producers greenlit it without having, like, a better story or yeah, to say. Or even better action. Just kind of funny that, yeah, Nimoy had done the whale one that was, like, considered good, and then he had to do the crappy one. <laughs> yeah, so basically it was like a C-level episode that they, for some reason, blew up into a movie and 
got to give Shatner's ego mm-hmm. good stoking. Pretty funny. I was thinking that it did seem like a lot of the characters, uh, like the main core trio, a lot of the reason that the film has some goodwill is because they work mm-hmm. so well off each other, even though they don't have a lot of good lines or good things to do. They just sort of work off each other well enough that they can just sort of do, like, read a phone book or watch paint dry and it'll be entertaining in some it could have, aspect. It, it could have been more of a camaraderie if they had included maybe all of the actors instead of just the three of them, but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, in general, I would say this film was a pretty big miss. Yeah, do more of an ensemble cast. Yeah, I prefer that as well. Yeah, to go back to Star Trek Beyond, sort of the difference between the way they handled uh, the similar, like, the similar format in that movie was they did give each character a little bit of time to shine. It felt less forced. Oh, well, I guess we'll still have Star Trek Four, whatever that one is. <laughs> At least we know there's no god. At least there's no god in this universe. It's a cold, desolate universe, and you're happy to be alive. Yeah, yeah. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Star Trek Five. <laughs> Star Trek Five. <laughs> the final frontier. All right. Um. So signing off for this amazing chat. I'm Pablo. And I'm Erica. Good night. Good night. <laughs>